Welcome to the Suicide Prevention Show. We are waking up the world to the power of positivity, making suicide, especially teen suicide, a thing of the past. And in this episode, pardon me, we're going to go where angels fear to tread. We're going into the realm of decision making and its impact. So we're going to be talking with Dr. Moses McCutcheon. And I'm not going to try to pronounce that again, but he works with teens and he works with them on what for some people they think is the most important decision of their life. But is it? So please help me welcome to the studio our guest, Dr. Moses. Would you please turn on your camera and your microphone and join me in the studio? There you are. Look at you with that professional setup. Don't you look cool? All right. Hello. How are you? I'm excited to be here. How are you? Yes, I'm excited to be here and I'm feeling great and enjoying the program. Well, good. I am delighted to hear that. And thank you for making time to come on and share with us this very important topic. Thank you. So let's get clear. What's the age group that you usually work with? Um, between uh, age seven, I'm sorry, age 12 and 18. Okay. Age 12 and 18 is the target group. All right. And so kids between the ages of 12 and 18. Mm-hmm. What is so important about this range? Because we're talking six years out of a kid's life. Right. Um, what's so important about this is that at age 18, the, the government and the way the system is set up is that a child becomes an adult at age 18. And this is, uh, when I think about that, I also think about the foster care agencies whereby the child at 18 is just without any training, is just thrown, if you will, to the wolves, if you speak. They're out in the world without any preparation, any training, any guidance, and they're, on, they're literally on their own. And wow. so... There is no time to plan on the spot. So the idea that if we can reach them during the K-12 years, then that's the planning time. And if they are in a public school system, there's literally no cost to the parent or minimal cost to the parent. And, and this is the best time to do the planning to step out into the real world. Well, the real world is a pretty flippin' scary place. I mean, it always yes. has been for kids, but now yes. it's gone from scary to terrifying. We'll just call it what it is. Yes. So let's go back in time. How okay. did you end up in this specific field? Because this is a really narrow niche, this point of decision for kids. Yes, yes, yes. Excellent question. How I got into this is that from an early age, I've always thought that people, one, should love what they do, 
in order to be able to do good work. And I found myself thinking about, well, you know, what is that for me? What does that mean for me? Uh, what, it, what do I really love doing that I want to continue to do? And I didn't have an answer to that. And so uh, that became a focus for me. And so uh, I had learned to do many things during my K-12 years, but I still didn't have the answer at age 18 when I knew that I would be going to college, but then I didn't have an answer to what my major would be, nor an answer to what my minor would be, but still yet I was spending money. My parents put up money and then I, had to get a student loan to be able to pay for the first year of college. So I'm paying for something and I'm not sure what I'm getting for that. Uh, and the second thing is that if, if I'm going to pay for this, is this something that I'm going to be able to use? So it's decision time now and uh, I, I don't know how to make this decision. Well, yeah, I can. And that's how I, yeah, that's how I got into this because I had to figure out a way to deal with this. I had literally been a goal setter. So, you know, I set a goal and then I reached that, I reached that goal. But now in this particular case, I don't know which goal to set because I don't know what my, my major is going to be. I had to come up with a plan and I did come ultimately come up with a plan, but I had to slow things down so I could figure things out step by step. Is this why we're seeing a rise in the five-year college plan? That's uh, part of it. There may be other things, but that's part of it because one of the th things is that uh, many of the students who go into school they, they leave high school at age 18, at 19, they're in the first year of college and they hadn't figured this out. And, and it, this has nothing to do with intelligence, by the way. Some of these students are so smart. I mean, they, they are literally honor roll students. But when it comes to this part of the puzzle, they are struggling because they don't have clear goals and they don't know how to make this decision, okay? So, what happens is that they either change majors, so that adds on to the time, and some of them drop out, and many times they don't tell the parent. The parent doesn't, doesn't know this is going on. So uh, a four-year degree could easily turn into five years or turn into six years because they're, they're constantly changing majors. And I can, share, can tell you for a fact that if this problem is not dealt with during the K-12 years or even during college, it follows you for life into the workplace. And that's how many of the students turn out to be employees that, are, that have jobs that they hate. And then there are those that are in uh, graduate school, like if there's a case, this, there are other cases, but I remember specifically this case where this person was studying to be a psychologist. And now, and in the class and decide 
that no, this is not what I want to do. This is not it. This is not what I want to do. So all that time is wasted and that and money is wasted and there's debt to be paid. Because well, the school it, does not the school does not return <laughs> any of that. When you change majors, you just add on to the school's budget. <laughs> all right. So now we understand the problem. The mm -hmm. problem is that you people are following people, teens yeah. coming out of high school. Yes. Are following a higher education track, no matter yes. what it is. Yes. And they don't know why they're doing it. Right. <laughs> and and so they're they're in it and trying yeah. to decide what they want to do. Right. And and that's expensive, time consuming, and prevents us from actually growing into our brilliance. Yes. Yes. Okay. What's the cure for this? The cure is actually early planning. Uh, the research clearly shows that uh, career planning should start as soon as possible, but not later than the seventh grade. And- Whoa, I, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Seventh grade? Yes, and let me- let me. grade, I'm not sure that I would have had a clue what I wanted my career to be. How, what does career planning look like for a seventh grader? Well, what happens is that Let's look at this. I laid out a chart. Ah, there we go. Yeah, yeah. I laid out a chart to actually take a look at that. So if you look at year one, a child is, is, is one year old. From year one to year four, it's basically homeschooling. Okay. Homeschooling because they're still at home with the parents. Okay. The parents can be observing and what they're doing and that sort of thing okay, at age five, they can start kindergarten. Yeah. Okay. They can start kindergarten and then age six is first grade. Mm -hmm. So they literally have between age, uh, between um, sixth grade and 12th grade to decide what they're going to be doing after high school. Right, they got from age six to age 18, from first grade. Yes, uh-huh, yes. Okay. So seventh grade, see seventh grade now, with a course, you can teach them how to choose. They don't have to make, they're not forced to make any decisions. Oh, okay, so then it's You about teach them the process. Yes. Oh, cool, so how to make a decision. What a great class that would have been to take in seventh grade. Yes, yes. Now I'm with you. Cool. Yes. Right. So, how do we make decisions? We need information to make decisions. <laughs> All right. I thought you were going to wave a magic wand. Yeah. <laughs> you need information to make decisions, and the, the 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 idea here is that since this has nothing to do with intelligence, mm -hmm. and the fact that the school system realized that the kids are intelligent and they are taught English, they are taught math, they are taught how to do various things academically. They can be taught how to choose a college or trade school major and career, which should be a course like any other course. All right, so there we go. We're gonna shoot on them and tell them what they should do. Let's go with what they could do. Mm -hmm. If they could create a course on mm -hmm. decision-making, what are the key components of good decision making besides go and gather information? Because in the age of Google, 
Mm -hmm. You tell me to go get information. You might not see me again for 20 years. Right. Okay. With regard to what I'm doing, mm -hmm. the greatest gift that a parent can give a child is self-discovery. Tell me more. To discover one's life purpose as it relates to work. Now, what does that mean? That means we start to look at if, if age one through four, the kid is on automatic. They're just doing things. They're just and everything that they everything that they are doing is a potential career. Whatever, whatever they are doing. And somebody is making a living from that. And if you talk to kids in the first grade, and I've talked, spoken with many of them, they will raise their hand. And if you ask them well, the age old question, what do you want to be when you grow up? Every kid will raise their hand and they'll tell you things like doctor, lawyer, and, and the, the conventional type work, but everyone will raise their hand. Now, if it were possible for you to follow any one of those kids through high school, you'll find out most of them become confused the further that they go up. And that same kid that knew in first grade, in 12th grade now does not know. Okay. And the number of students that start school in ninth grade, you might, the, the school might start with, as, a, as an example, 300 students. By the time graduation time arrive, that might be 150 out of that same class. So what happens? They, many of them drop out of school because they're not making the connection and it's not taught they are not making the connection between school and a the future. There's no okay, connection there. That's a pretty startling statistic. You're talking about a 50% dropout rate. Yes, but you know, the number is different. The number is different depending on, you know, what the school is. And I use that as an example, but the number is pretty high where, where, where they drop out between ninth grade and 12th grade. And, they, wow. and, they're, and they're doing different things. All right. they're so do, yeah, they're doing different here, things. Yes, uh-huh. We got two problems. Mm -hmm. We've got the kid who makes it out of high school and is confused going into college or trade school about who they want to be and what they want to do. Right. And then we have the kids who don't even make it through high school. Right. Right. Okay, so we got two different groups here. Right. What makes the, let's just name the elephant in the room. What makes the difference between a kid who makes it through high school and a kid who doesn't? Well, they could, for example, uh, because I have a course now that teaches this, and I, I created that course. Um, with my own school, I had excellent teachers. They were teaching what was taught to them. Mm -hmm. and, and I receive a good general education, but what I didn't get, I didn't know how to use that education after, I, after leaving high school. And I didn't see where that education connected to any specific career. That's the piece that was missing. All right, so I have a 14-year-old grandson mm -hmm. who just called me out on this on mm -hmm. Algebra 2 because I got asked to help 
tutor him in higher mm -hmm. math. Mm -hmm. And he's like, when am I ever going to use this? How does this apply? So at 14, he is absolutely in the struggle. We're yes. trying to figure out why what he's being told to learn could possibly help him. Right. Absolutely. I, 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 <laughs> I understand the issue. And here, here, here's what happens. In the K-12 years, and that's what he's, he's right in the middle of that now, mm -hmm. the system is designed, and, and I, I, I have to admit, I, I, I used to say, you know, the school is not, <laughs> the schools are not doing a very good job with, 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 with education. I used to say that. And, and, and even if I didn't say that, I used to think that. And I, I've, I have learned differently. What happens is that the school system is doing uh, a good job with what they're doing. It's just that there is a gap between what they're doing and what a child is going to experience when they enter the real world. So, so what happens now, even the terminology is different. So a person, when they when 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 they're in school, they the, the the school want to know what is your major. Well, then when you look at major, that's a group of related subjects that the school system has put together to say this is what you need and is broad enough so that with guidance you can prepare for a future. But you're not taught how to use that education. You're not taught how, how it connects. So, so the idea that a child is in the K-12 years, they're getting a good general education, a broad education, mm -hmm. and then they have to be taught how to use that. So for example, career exploration. I have, for example, eight steps that I could share with you on how to choose a college or trade school major in career. Now, each one of these steps will go into details, but which, I, which I'm not able to cover here, but I can tell you what those steps are uh, in terms of doing that. And the fact that every general subject in class, somebody somewhere is making a living from that, from that subject and it's being used somewhere, but the teacher is not teaching that. And rightfully so. The teacher might be a person who, who, who's academically inclined, who went through well, high wait, school. The teacher is a great example of somebody making a living with that subject matter. Yes, with that subject matter. But now the idea is that that same subject looks different in the real world than it looks in the classroom. Ah. Got it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So now that's why it's so important for collaboration. So they said, look, you are in this class and now let's see what this class look like in the real world. Now, those are two different things, caterpillar and a butterfly. Oh, that's a great <laughs> analogy. Yeah. Okay. So I'm just going to ask the question. This is the elephant in the room. Yes because I know what answer I gave to my 14 year old grandson. Right. What is the answer? What does algebra two look like in the real world? Well, here, here's what I would have to do with algebra two in the, in the real world. I have to, and, and I do, because of this, I do ongoing case study research. 
So I find uh, a, a career that uses it and we play that. I have a, a special um, uh, system with, that shows videos of, vi of various careers. Mm -hmm. And I'm gonna look that one up and, and uh, get that to you. <laughs> well, thank you. I feel yes. better now that you didn't have an easy, obvious answer to that. Yes, no, I don't know. But some, many of them, I'm sorry, but many of them of the careers, that's why I'm set up to do ongoing case study research because I'm always going to get one that that's not like uh, uh, an example um, when we do uh, trigonometry or any any courses like that I have to look up careers for that and then show them that this is what this is what's being done and this is how it's used and where it's used. I spent time in the human resources world right and I was shocked to discover the huge percentage of people who had careers that had no obvious relationship to their college degrees. That's right. That's absolutely correct. And so what I told my grandson at 14, who said, you know, how is this going to help me? I'm like, it's teaching you how to solve a problem. Because mm -hmm. we were doing you know, the complicated formulas where you had to reduce things down and, and figure out what it would look like if it wasn't complicated. Right. I'm like, it's teaching you problem solving skills. You will use these everywhere in your life. That right. was the only answer I could give him. I didn't have an answer for how he could use this to make a living directly. Yes. yes. And, and so I'm going to be looking for that. We'll have to do an update when you get that to me. All I right. will. Yes. Eight steps. We're not going to deep dive into them, but we're going to talk about them. And then we're going to talk about your gift because you have an amazing gift for the people who are paying attention here. So, and whether you're live or whether you're listening to this in a recording, either way, we have a gift for you. All right, eight steps, lay them on me. Okay, the eight steps uh, that I have, eight steps to choosing your college or trade school major and career based on your life purpose as it relates to work. Okay, so what I teach is that your life purpose is a tool, is the tool, is the tool for you to use as a basis for choosing your college or trade school major and career. So how do we discover that? Well, we, we can, and, and uh, the audience feel free to write this down. Uh, I, have a, I have an exercise that, uh, that we can do if you, if you want. And we can run through that exercise, so I can just uh, tell you what the eight steps are. Which do you rather? Oh, I like exercises. Everybody up for some exercise. <laughs> All right, let's go. I got pen and paper. I tell everybody at the start of the summit, get yourself a notebook. This is my summit notebook. I got lots of notes. All right, lay it on me. Okay, what you want to do, the first thing is... Think about all of the things that you love. I mean, don't write down nothing that you hate or that you are neutral about. Put the things down that you enjoy, things that you are doing without even thinking about it. Write those things down and write down at least three of them right now. The list can be as long as you like. Okay. okay so three things that you love to do and, and you just do them. So for me, that would be reading, mm -hmm. writing, and dancing. Reading, writing, and dancing. 
Okay. Mm -hmm. So now let's assume that that list is much longer. If okay. that list were much longer, let's say 10 items on that list, what you want to do, you want to prioritize those lists. Which one is, if you could only do one of them, which one would be one? Okay. And then which one would be two and which one would be three? So I've got lots of forced decision matrix kinds of decision-making tools because I've struggled with this most of my life. Right. And, and so if I go, okay, I've got one and two, which one would I pick? And then if I, whatever one of those, I would compare it to the next one. That's how I use a forced decision matrix. Okay. So if I got down, so one and two, oh, two is better. Two and three, two is still better. Two and four, eh, four. Okay. So I would just run through my list that way until I got to the one that would made the most sense for me. Okay. All right. So let's just say I ended up with writing. Okay. As number one. As number one. That was the one thing that made it to the top of the list. Okay. All right. So what you want to do with that, you want to help confirm that that's the one. So you want to do what is called job shattering. Oh, okay. I'm job, sh job shadow shadowing. Yes, job shattering. Now, what is that? I guess that's your next question. What is that? <laughs> so go for it. For okay, your job. Okay, job shattering. Now, since you have gone through the process of listing listing oh, everything that you oh. love and then you've gotten it down to three and I've you've chosen your one i've got a disconnect here what's that what kind of a job would writing be well writing that falls in the area of journalism okay you, you could be a reporter okay you, so you could also be yes you could also be a ghost writer for books okay so yes. those would be two different job shadowing opportunities. Yes, yes. Uh, all right. Yes. I, I can eliminate ghostwriting. I'm not putting anybody else's name on what I write. This is now, you know, I'm a woman. That just comes to mind real quick. That, yeah. yeah. But yeah, but okay. writing. Uh-huh. And, and then, you know, the uh, uh, newspaper articles and stuff like that. That's what you're going to with writing. A lot of opportunities in writing. Got it. Okay. And, and so then you find somebody that's doing that and the workforce investment board have work so centers you know and, and special programs where hold we're it, able to it, make it. those type a workforce investment work, board no work source uh, oh, work so centers yeah but it, it is uh, workforce um uh what they call it the the workforce board uh and they have work source centers that, oh. yeah, this is where people go to uh, and they can apply for jobs and different things. Okay. Okay. They cool. call the Workforce Development Board. That's what they, yes. Uh huh. And, and, you know, they have different, slightly different names in different cities, but that's what, that's basically what they are. And, okay. and so, and they normally have summer programs for, uh, for students, uh, paid and unpaid internships. So, so you choose a you choose a person that's actually doing this work, and you watch them work. You shatter them for a day. You know whatever they're doing, you follow them around and and and, and take a look, and you say, okay, well, I 
that's something I, I like to continue. Now, if if it turns out that you do not like that, mm -hmm. then you can you can stop it there. But if you like it, the next step is to do an intern. Got it. You, to do an intern. Now, this is where you get a, a, a an opportunity to actually do the work. Now, let me share an example with you. Um, the there was a student that was training to be a nurse. I mean, she was a straight A student and it was time for her to go to, uh, for her internship. She had been through the job shattering and all of that and the job shattering uh, didn't include the emergency room, but then doing the internship an emergency came in. And so she went, you know, to take part in it and she fell out. Mm. What happened was she did not realize she could not stand the sight of blood. To detail when you're a nurse. That's key, yes. But she didn't know that. She didn't realize, she didn't know that. Wow. And, and so she, she, she fell out, literally fell out. And she discovered doing that internship that you know, she couldn't stand aside of blood. Now that didn't prevent her from becoming a nurse, but she definitely couldn't work in the emergency room in that type of an environment. So that's wow. why it's very important that uh, that we uh, we start early enough so that we can we can examine and test our whatever our major going to be before we get into it. That's really interesting because I have two nurse practitioners in my family. Mm -hmm. One of them does urgent care. The other does hospital administration. Yeah. 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 Two, both nurse practitioners, but two very different career paths. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And so see the person that fell out, one of the things I, I would literally tell her as an education advisor is that you know, your funds, your funds are not lost. You can still be a nurse, but administration, look at administration, look at one of the areas that, that uh, uh, your family is working with. Yeah, a little less bloody. Got yes. <laughs> All right. So that's really interesting. All right. So there we go. Keep us on track here. What is the next step? Okay. So, so after you have decided that, that, uh, that you want to continue and you want to do the internship, mm -hmm. you set the internship up and then you finish the internship. Now the internship could be paid or unpaid because the WorkSoul centers also have paid uh, uh, internship, but mm -hmm. I would not base the decision on that. The important things here now is to get the experience. Got it. Is to get the experience because once a person use their life purpose to choose a college or trade school major in career. They basically already have the gifts and skills there. It just need to be discovered. So once we discover that, they can really go directly to work while they get the degree or they can go directly to work doing what it is that they do because they already have the gifts for that. But it's a discovery process. More than 50% of the students think they know 
I mean, I'm sorry, more than 50% will admit that they don't know what they want to be or do after graduation. I was in that group. And then, and for a while, I, that was the story that I told because I, I was still doing research. Later, I found out about this other 47%, which, which now, um, uh, ongoing case study research is an ongoing part of my platform. I discovered that this 47% were in a worse place than the ones that knew that they didn't know. And, and here's why. The 47% was the group that said, I know what I'm going to be, and this is what I'm going to do. And they don't discover that they have made the wrong decision until after they have paid for the four-year college degree. Which are the people that I was interviewing when I was in human resources. I mean, I had people yep. managing research centers who had history degrees. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're trying to manage a team of telephone you know, researchers, and they were doing team management, and yet their degree was yes. in ancient history. Yes. Yes. I mean, two very different skill sets. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that what you saw was the more than 77% of the people in the workplace that hate their jobs. Ah. And if they hate their job, they can't do a good job. And that's a problem for the employer. Well, yeah, it is because they start to coast. Um, yes. I, call, I call it taking option three. It's where you've actually left the ballpark. You just forgot to take your body with you. <laughs> your body's still showing up for work and collecting a paycheck. But I mean, you want to talk about a disengaged. Person. Yes. And, and so how to prevent disengagement is not what, I mean, oh my God, if you haven't seen the programs, there are programs and classes for employers to be able to re-engage their workforce. Yes. But if they're in the wrong field for them and they That's don't right. know that they're in the wrong field for them, there's nothing the employer can do. That's correct. That's okay. absolutely correct. Oh my goodness. What a hot mess we've got. Yes. All right. So what are we going to do about this? Dr. Moses, give us. Well, well what we're going to do, we are going to um, we offer a program. It starts with an assessment. It always starts with an assessment. Need to know where you are in relationship to where you want to be or think you where or think uh, where you want to be. So this so, is the discovery process that we were mm -hmm. talking about. Yes. Uh huh. Take, taking and going on a journey of self-discovery. When a parent wants to guide their kid to go on a journey of self-discovery, what are some free resources that they can find? Okay, you can... Because uh... I know you've got a gift. I mean, we've got the 20 must-know facts to yes. fast-track your child's yes. success. Yes, they can go to They can go to the, uh, on the internet, and they can Google specific things that they want to get done. The colleges and the high schools have career centers, but they don't have counselors that actually teach a course with that. It's pretty much 
self. You, you, you're just on your own. And then many of the students are not taking advantage of that because they need guidance to go with that. So they can go, they can use a community college center to, to, to look at their resources. Uh, the high school should have a career center where they could go and uh, take advantage of the, the, the resources that are there. And so the question is, is there anybody in these centers who can guide them? Well, the problem- go on this self-discovery. Well, what the problem is there are not enough counselors mm. to do this. And take, for example, the average classroom, and we were talking to a teacher earlier today, mm -hmm. the, the average classroom, for example, has, let's say, 30 to 35 students that have uh, uh, different learning styles. Mm -hmm. On average, the teacher's really only reaching about 10% of those students. So that you have the one teacher, yeah, you have the one teacher and trying to teach to, to with a class 35 to 40. And I know at, in California, they were trying to get the classroom size and maybe be, maybe across the country down to 20 students, but they, that hasn't really been oh. very successful. No, because now we've got all this e-learning and so the classrooms have gotten bigger, not smaller. Right. Now, let's take a look at this. You're looking at a teacher with... 30 to 40 students in the classroom, and you're looking at a counselor that has um, that has about 300 students. Yeah, at least. In, in, yes, you in see, now on the, on the low end in California, and I had statistics on every state, and it changes, but it doesn't change very much. Mm -hmm. On the low end, there were a hundred. There were four hundred and forty-eight students to one counselor on the low end, and on the high end, it was over nine hundred students. What? Yes, to one counselor. A school with three thousand students might have six counselors. Yeah, but and a counselor might be assigned. If it's a high school, the counselor might be assigned by grade level. So by grade level means that. Uh, uh, a school with 400 students, each counselor and, 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 400, and 100 students are in each class. That means each counselor have 100 students. You can't spend 15 minutes a week with 100 students. No, you no. So, so, so what's the solution? The solution then, it, it really fall, the career guidance piece really fall back on the parents. So, so one of the things I teach, one of the things I teach is that the parent let the, the counselor know, I tell the parents what questions they can be asking the counselor about their child, because it's gonna be hard for the child to get to the counselor in the first place, the counselor sometimes dealing with other issues, a student that has a knife, a student that getting in trouble, or a student who uh, two students are fighting, and that sort of thing. And some in, in some cases, when the teacher is out, the student, the, the counselor might be in the classroom teaching. So then you 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 don't have any counselors that particular day. Mm. So you don't have enough of them to do all of this that needs to be done. 
So for the counselor to guide mm -hmm. a student on their discovery process. That's not happening. <laughs> All right, let's wave a magic wand. I'm going to give you a magic wand. Okay. Right, so, and actually, we're going to give it to everybody who's here and who's watching this later. The magic wand. All right. So the 20 must know facts. The, and, yeah. and I put the link in the chat for everybody. Okay. It sounds like the first must know fact is that this is up to you as a parent. You cannot depend on a guidance counselor in a high school to yeah. help your child. That's correct. Okay. And you, you, yeah, uh, to get the most help, and I have a follow-up to that, to get help from the counselor, I tell the parents that they, to, to have their questions written down and be specific when they try to reach the counselor and make the appointment with the student, because the, the, the counselor may be tied up and it might take the child a while to get there. So, so if they have something they need to get to that counselor about, to make the call to the counselor, make the appointment and have their questions ready. There we go. So let's pre-plan this mm -hmm. call. Yes. So what, I mean, are, is there a standard list of questions that we could have, that parents really, you, these are the starting questions. Mm -hmm. so, so the questions really, are customized to the particular situation. So whatever your situation is, mm -hmm. it might be a situation that the counselor needs to know about that the counselor, and it might be a problem that the counselor can't fix, but need to refer. You know, uh, an example, um, the, the child is not uh, paying attention or disconnected uh, uh, somehow, is not mm -hmm. acting normal. And so you want to talk to the counselor about that to see what observations that that uh, he or she has. And then you also want to, you might want to even meet with the teacher as well, because this this is in the classroom where where the teacher has more of um, is in a position is in a better position to observe the student. So it's a case it's a case by case thing and your questions. The question for the parent is based upon their unique situation. It's an interesting place to be. Yes. In a world that moves so fast, because my mama was a teacher. Yes. And the amount of time, I mean, being a teacher is a full-time gig. There, there's, it's yes. not a 40-hour-a-week job. It, it was a lifestyle. Yes. Being in education. And we have a world now where teachers are almost having to have second careers. They're almost having to have a side gig. Yes. In order to have a life that they want to be able to fund. Right. So we, we've got the kind of catch 22 about how the world is working or not working. Mm -hmm. And the more involved a parent is, I think the better. And they need more guidance i get yes. that. so i am super super grateful to have your checklist now we got a question in the chat and i just want to address this this is from peter okay it's a belief about differentiated learning is okay. differentiated learning a um concept that you're familiar with because we uh, we've had a conversation earlier 
And it's about understanding the learning styles, whether someone is kinesthetic or um, right. verbal or visual or auditory. Right. And so out of those four things, they believe that differentiated learning is actually watering everyone down. And so that's their belief. And they believe the solution is to bring back the bell curve and to have students repeat a subject if necessary. And that it's not realistic that think that everyone is going to pass the first time through a course. Right. And so weigh, weigh in on this. Let's just go where Angel Spirit or Tread. Yeah, okay. I, I realize that different people have, have taken different positions on this. I, mean, um, I held one of my kids back through a course. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to be full disclosure. Yeah. He went into honors. I think it was geography or world history. There was yeah. only one teacher in the high school who taught it. Honors level world history. She had a D and they gave her an honors credit. And I went into the high school and said, oh, no, you don't. A D <laughs> is not an acceptable grade. She needs to repeat the course. And they're, and they're like, there's a, yeah, it, Katie outed herself. Um, and the school came to me and said, you realize that most parents want to preserve their child's GPA and will insist that they move forward and not repeat a course. And I'm like, well, I'm not most parents, apparently. I right. thought the important thing here was to learn. Yes. And so, I mean, as a parent, this was a really interesting moment in time for me. But from a reality point of view, I don't know if I inadvertently created more problems for my kid than they would have had if I had just let them pass with a D and get the honors credit and move on. How does a parent know this, Dr. Mosley? See, you know, um, that's the part where parents, it's a tough call. And, and the thing is, and there's it's a, a personal, it's a personal decision too. There's a lot of parents having to make this call right now with right. this remote learning and homeschooling upswing. Right, 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 absolutely. And so, I think that to really help the child, it has to go back to this self-discovery piece to try to get the child, because I was just on the phone, well, this week, talking to uh, a parent coordinator and a counselor, 300 students at the school. Um, and the counselor, there's one counselor to the 300 students, okay? There's one parent coordinator to the 300 students. And right now they're having problems with the students attending class online because you know this they're not making that connection so 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 I, i'm i'm listening to this and then i'm looking at the fact that when schools are open when the schools teach what they normally teach the students are not making that connection between the classroom and a future they're not making that connection and so there are three things that really need to occur. The student needs to, to be able to, to 
when they leave high school, they need to have clear goals for a future. And this does this is not this does not pressure them into doing anything. It gives them a starting point based upon a process and a foundation that's based upon their life purpose, which is based upon their special gifts and talents that they enjoy. So even if they end up in at the company where you work as the HR, this student then would be trained in one of the three areas where they are gifted. Got it. Okay. So mm -hmm. we're, I'm, I'm really, really clear that there's a classroom career connection that's not being made. That's right. And so we've got some things in the chat and we did talk about your eight steps yes. and we didn't give them the eight steps. And so we need to give them the eight steps, Dr. Moses. I am I'm I going to do that kids. right now. Let me. Yeah. But I didn't, we didn't give them the eight steps. Right, right, right. Eight steps. Yeah. Okay, you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. Eight steps to choosing your college or trade school major and career based on life purpose. Number one, make a list of the things you desire and love most. List of loved most. Got it. Okay. Number two, select your top three items from this list. Got it. Pick three. Rank these three items first second and third rank them got it yep do research on your first choice second choice third choice got it research all three yes uh-huh do job shattering wait a minute okay you you at number this is number five i'm on now you ready right. i'm ready number five job yeah do shattering. job shattering okay on your three top choices and on others if you wish Got it. So it's not just job shadowing on number one, it's job shadowing on all three. That's right. That's right. That's important. Okay, got that. Yeah, do an internship, paid or unpaid. Don't place the emphasis on just making the money. You, This is your future. So, so take the one that's going to give you the most experience because that is money. It, yeah, it will connect the dots. Got it. Yep. Experience. And then seven, make your decision about your college or trade school major only after you've had an opportunity to sample the experience of that type of work. Decide after the shadow yes. internship. Got it. That's right. That's right. And then the, the, and the example of the person who couldn't stand the side of blood, if they already know that, they know now they need to, if they want to continue as a nurse, go into administration. Yeah. See, And then number eight, choose the work that you love most for a college or trade school major. And if you notice, I said college or trade school major, because it might turn out that your purpose leads you to a trade rather than a college degree. Well, you know, it did me. I finally went to college in my 40s. Yeah. And halfway through my degree, I mm -hmm. realized I was studying for a career I did not want. Yeah, yeah. And I walked away. I am a successful college dropout. Mm -hmm. And I thank God every day Yeah, that I walked away rather yeah. than pursued that and locked myself into a career path that is totally unsuited for me on every single level. 
It doesn't right. matter whether or not I could do it. What right. matters is whether or not I loved it. Right. Absolutely. And, and so the idea of the work that I do is that I want to get the students before they go in and find out later that and then drop out. We can we can fix this problem on the first end by going through these processes like this. I got it. And there's some controversy going on in the chat about paid versus unpaid and how <laughs> every internship should be paid. And I don't believe in shooting on small businesses yeah. because there, there's a place here where there's an education value. Yeah. So we're not going to solve whether internships should be paid or unpaid. Right, right. What we're going to solve is not letting that stop. Right. So Absolutely. Going on Absolutely. The discovery process. So the earlier in life you start the discovery process, yes. the easier it's going to be. That's correct. There That's we go. Correct. I'm popping the link back into the chat for the 20 must-know facts to fast-track your college success. And yes. there are a lot of tools that will help as well as just encouraging this discovery process. And it presupposes sometimes that the yes. adult, that the parent has yes. given themselves permission to go on this discovery process for themselves. Yes. And let me say one thing about the uh, paid versus unpaid. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't dare get in any uh, uh, conflict conversation with the parents about that. I understand that some will choose one versus the other, and I understand the reason why as well. So, so I understand uh, some would say, hey, only paid, and, and I, I understand all of that. So I, I, I thank you. And yeah, there's... It's like, it all depends. That's yes. going to be my answer. The yes. right choice when it comes to paid or unpaid is about yes. it depends. Yes. What is the circumstances of the family and what is the lesson you want people to learn? That's correct. And, That's correct. And so we're going to leave that, you know, and they say, we're going to leave the water over the bridge where it got flung. So <laughs> that, you know, I love to mix my metaphors. Dr. Moses. Thank you so much for making the time to be part of the show. This was amazing. We covered a lot of ground and I really, really appreciate it. I appreciate being here and being part of what you're doing. I think this is great. I, I appreciate, appreciate the audience and the feedback provided. This is what is really needed to help support education. And education can, and all everybody has a role to play, and you are now giving us an opportunity in this setting to be able to do that. So we thank you. <laughs>